Welcome to the Less True podcast presented by Gulf Food, the largest annual FMB sourcing event in the world. I'm your host, Jueria Hersey, bringing you compelling stories and insights to a wide range of topics in the food and drinks industry, from farming, behind the scenes, to the culinary world, and to foods we simply love to chew on. In this podcast series, we speak to people, brands, and businesses across the food and drinks spectrum to find out more about why they do what they do and how, in their own way, they're championing change and shifting the future of food and drink. Trust me, there's so much more. So listen to the Less True podcast on our website, gulffood.com, and subscribe to our newsletter for the latest updates in food. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Let's Chew podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Hersey, and we're starting 2023 with a very special guest today. Here with us is Gabrielle Mather, who's the founder and CEO of Restaurant Secrets Inc. and Cornerstone 61 Consultancy. She has 25 years of experience in Dubai and is a seasoned restaurateur, operator, and a trusted FMB consultant who has been incubating FMB businesses since 2001. Thank you so much for joining us, Gabrielle. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you, Jeweria. I'm so happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this podcast for a while now. <laughs> Me too. So great to have you. So um, we'll just get right to it. Um, tell us about your journey and uh, from where you started until now and what inspired you to join the FMB industry? I think um, my story has been printed and spoken about for so long now, but I will repeat it for you in, in yes, as, for our as boring ways <laughs> as possible. So I came here Please in 1996 do. with my family, was much younger then. And uh, FMB was never my pursuit. I'm, I've always been a very creative person with this goal of telling a story, you know, conceptual, very concept driven. And I happened to marry a man who was an F&B and I just, you know, when we, we, when we joined hands, it just became a natural extension of who I am to tell my story in F&B. And that's how it really started. We started with opening our own restaurants, with the first one being in 2003. Um, and then uh, post-pandemic, uh, sorry, post-recession of 2008, we launched our own consultancy, Restaurant Secrets, and uh, it grew a lot in that particular um, recession. Moved on to the second recession and then the pandemic, and that's when Cornerstone was born. So I would say F&B found me. I always say that. It found me. Found I wasn't you. looking for it, but it's, a, it's an awesome industry, and I am just so grateful that I work in a sector that just keeps on evolving, gets the best out of me, and is, you know I'm able to do so much in this part of the world with F&B in particular. Okay, and can you tell us a little bit more about Restaurant Secret and Cornerstone? What sets it apart? So Restaurant Secrets uh, was literally born in the recession. It was an answer to what we as expats were going through during the years of 2008 to 2011. You know, there was a mass exodus. People were leaving. the The real estate had crashed. Um, the oil companies have, were, were not in the same. Advertising was being hit. So a lot of seasoned entrepreneurs were turning towards F&B as an option because they realized that F&B still survived. It was still a sector that was 
um, selling that, you know, people were still buying food, people were still selling food. And it was literally an answer to the need of the hour to be able to serve a, a whole new breed of entrepreneurs that were asking for startups, uh, homegrown uh, businesses that that they didn't know how to do it. They didn't have the uh, potential or the resources to bring in franchises, but they had a dream to start their own thing. And it was literally an answer to serving this particular sector. We started with operational help, helping people to operate because I'm a huge, huge advocate of operations being the key of this industry. And then the creativity has just taken us to the next level, yes. But without operations, you can't really create a business, you need a, a balance of that. So we started with operations, offering people operational support, helping them build systems, getting the right teams on board. The next part of that was a developing concept from zero. We went to interior design, then we started uh, you know, expanding our portfolio to be a total 360 degree solution. And we were the first ones, I think we're the only ones in the region that actually have a full in-house team that takes you from the zero to 100 of the business. So that's what Restaurant Secrets does. What about Cornerstone? Like, what's how? What are you offering? Yeah, that's a good one. I, you know, uh, there was a reason why I launched a second firm. Um, Restaurant Secrets found itself being a pro at building uh, businesses, incubating them from scratch, and we reached a point where uh, just before pandemic, we had done more than three hundred projects, most of them being turnkey solutions to launch people. We were also asked at that point by our clients to help them after they open because the natural course of uh, events after an opening is the overwhelming of that owner. He's, you know, he's got the consultant holding their the hand and you've got a team, a new team come on board, but decision making becomes very difficult for a new business person. They were already asking us for solutions. So we were we were offering accounting, we were offering retainers to stay on board for a year. We were offering full brand management in terms of you know, social media, content development, communication, all those things that people need and operating them, uh, helping them to operate with systems, right? After pandemic, the inquiries we got just doubled up. Like we, I was traveling to Fujera, <laughs> to Russell Kema to help people that just found themselves closing doors during that time. So to be able to, to manage the business incubation that we do at Restaurant Secrets, as well as to take on this whole new need of the hour of the industry, it was just natural for me to say, let's specialize and let's create a second firm that completes the good work that we do at Restaurant Secrets. So Cornerstone now specializes in operations, post-opening okay. uh, support. It helps people keep their brand alive through developing content, posting it on the right platforms, communicating their brand in the right channels. It helps them with financial management. You know, people don't know how to do a PL in this business. You'll be surprised. I do audits for companies that are five years old or more, and they mm -hmm. don't have a PL structure that matches our industry standards. And they're wondering why they're bleeding, you know, where they're wondering why they're not making money. So when restaurants like come to you and seek these advice, is it what are the most common reasons, do you think? And is it more like startups, homegrowns, or even franchisees and everybody? Like who? who it's a good, healthy them? mix of everything. Okay. Uh, but our key clients have always been either um, entrepreneurs on their own journey, single entrepreneurs, or they've been corporates that have moved into the sector through other sectors. They see it as a lucrative sector 
and they come to us with a vision that we want to be 40 brands in you know 10 years of sorry 40 uh, outlets in uh, in 10 years a classic example is donor and gyros they were a corporate that was into real estate and then they yeah. came to us and their vision was always huge it was to franchise from the first year on so that was a model that we built with uh, with that in mind so we have those and we have also the singular one like hamptons cafe for example was a one-off that's now three branches and that was one person's dream that we you know brought to life through turnkey solutions so I think mm-hmm. it's a good mix of the two. We also uh, work with franchises. We're bringing in a franchise uh, from the U.S. for the third time. It has failed twice in the country. <laughs> oh we're, we're trying on like, the third time. I can't give you more details because we're just about to open doors. Okay. Uh, and the reason why they come, the franchises come to us is for the local intelligence that we bring in, you know, the things that we know on ground here that can help a franchise travel well. The same thing we did with Clinton Street Baking, for example, when we worked with them, was to complete the missing part of, you know, what is the UAE all about, the evolving market, and how can we tailor our products that are signature in certain parts of the world, but how can we, you know, utilize the information that we have here, the the eating habits or the buying habits, and how can we succeed with the same, um, you know, success ratio that we had in other countries. So yeah, we do a mix of everything. And uh, what is what do you think is the current state of the restaurant industry right now? Because I'm sure the UAE, especially Dubai, is overpopulated with a lot of F&B concepts. What do you think coming into 2023? Yeah, we've we've had so much data published on the statistics of, you know, um, compared to other major cities like London, New York, Singapore, Sydney. The number of restaurants uh, per person is so low here and it still is that is still an issue that we have. And even though the government, I would say, is one of the most uh, remarkably entrepreneurial government that you can ever find in the world, and they are working on increasing our population through great ways. You know, you look at look at how people are now seeking to come and live here, work here, spend here for the right reasons. But we still have more supply than demand because of the shortage of the number of people that live and work here. Um, the situation is has always been positive. I've always seen it in a positive way, and and just our own, uh, you know, firm having done almost four hundred plus projects in the last uh, twenty almost years is an indication. Just one firm has done that kind of work, you know. Yeah. And you see every day new openings. I would say that the thing to look out for that I've understood over the years is that this part of the world is evolving at a pace much faster than other areas. I think it's because of the amalgamation of the entrepreneurial spirit, of the different cultures, and majorly because of the leadership here, how it is constantly itself very proactive and pragmatic in its approach. So this industry is a great, profitable, lucrative industry. It's obvious to everybody. I don't have to sell that over here, but it is a very competitive industry and it's fast evolving. So you need players in the market that have both resources in terms of financial to be to build up a great brand as well as have operational operator mentality and the right teams I know you get them. this a million times, this question a million times, but what is the budget that you need to <laughs> <laughs> open? Actually, I do. And yesterday, that was the same question everybody on the asked table. You and, yeah. and that's why I wrote that article. I think it was 2020. And we had a Helen Farmer um, afternoon yes. where we got a lot of interest after that one. Um, 
the numbers have gone up again. No again. surprise. <laughs> yeah, we inflation's coming in. Just yesterday, uh, we, we were sitting in a meeting with kitchen suppliers, you know, that help us find the right equipment for our client. And they told us 5%, just expect 5% increase on everything right now. Uh, the start of the year so we would just keep on seeing you know numbers Increase. change rents have gone up again constructions back with the boom so those numbers have gone up human resource salaries you know everything is it's a great thing but it's it impacts the yeah. capex of of a restaurant owner so i will still maintain that 1.5 million is a starting point without that kind of number in your pocket you should not even consider going in there Okay. If you try and do it by yourself, you might um, save some money here and there, but the compromise would be on very important parts. People usually compromise on either a professionally developed menu or a design that works with operations or equipment that actually give you productivity or a, a team that can actually deliver. So there is a risk of huge compromise when you compromise your numbers because you're cutting corners. So I say 1.5 the start point and consider that 1.5 to go right up to 2.5 million dirhams. Yeah. If you're looking at just, you know, hole in the wall, first time operation, something simple that you can uh, operate 50 to 60 seats, um, you know, and, and offer an all day dining uh, and service. And what trends do you think are, are you seeing right now that could work in the coming future that you think are gonna be That's evolving very interesting. in the few mm. years? Uh, you, you know, every year we, we all try and forecast trends. Um, there was a time when this part of the world looked at other parts of the world for inspiration and then we would bring those in. But now we're doing so much within True. over here, coming up with ideas that, you know. Uh, so I would say in trends, let's diversify that because F&B itself is no longer just a straightforward go eat food and go home industry, right? So we've got the entertainment sector where... Uh, going out is so experiential and in that sector the trends are showing that people want dinner and a dance not themselves dance but watch dance and then dance <laughs> themselves later so that's been True. a trend that I think is gonna go even more viral because we've also got lots of funding and lots of uh, investors interested in that sector because it's very lucrative so we're definitely going to see that trend okay. of more shows dinner shows coming up I also feel that uh, we're going to have more simplified and real food. I think I, can, I see that I can already feel that that people want to eat real. They want to. They want to. They don't want to have so much quantity and variety, but they want to have some things that somebody does really well, and they can stick with it and order it again and again. That's always human nature, you know. So food home is, cooked. Yeah, almost. home cooked. Food is so memorable. Food has familiarity. It has memory. And I think we're losing that over with all the stuff that's coming through and everybody going for Instagrammable looking and trendy looking things. We're not realizing that people don't come back again and they're just hopping and switching and, you know, watering from here, visiting this place. We need more of those places that bring you back again and again and do it right every time. I think that's a trend that we will see going forward. Veganism is big right now. It's getting bigger every year. Um, so yeah, I think those are the so things do, to see. What does someone have to consider when opening a restaurant or even sustaining? Because I know a lot of restaurants are shutting down, unfortunately, more more so 2020. But how do you sustain a restaurant? What advice would you give to restaurants? Yeah, always have the why to the what right at the start. So it's important to have vision. 
You know, sometimes people just get into it for the wrong reason. They they get into it too fast. They just get the idea, they get excited, and they just immediately start looking at. And I get a lot of those people who've been thinking about it for a few weeks or months, and they come to a consultant and they just want to go. Just want to get it done. <laughs> but you know, I want to open in this season. I'm like, you're not even ready to, you know, forget this season. First, you need to do your feasibilities. You need to understand what it's going to take out of you financially mm-hmm. and as a commitment. So I think one of those reasons that of failure are that you're starting wrong you're not realizing that this is a journey and this journey is going to get deeper and more difficult every year so you need to start with resources with the financial study uh, with a great concept with a menu with all those things first uh, thought about on paper before you go and spend money on rent or actually building a place and unfortunately I still see people who've taken a space start paying the rent done a design and they don't actually have a kitchen or a menu we still oh. see that and that is such a shocker to me after all the information that we share and is available for people <laughs> on the net people still make that classic mistake of the excitement of you know it's just food i'll cook it it's great and we'll sell it and people will eat it so i think that's the risk that people need to stay at. to stay sustainable leadership is the biggest thing i think that is uh, part of your success story because at every given point of time, every restaurant owner is going to have to face decisions. They're going to have to face seasons. They're going to have to face ups and downs, you know. And you need to have the grit, the resilience. A true entrepreneur uh, does not rely on just the passion. They start then educating, evolving, learning themselves, becoming masters of their own trade to reach that level. So I think that leadership uh, skill of not delegating straight away from day, day one, but actually taking on the responsibility that I'm the captain of the ship and I've got to move this forward and I've got to, you know, make sure that we are, we have funds, we have resources, we have marketing, we have product. Taking that responsibility and not dumping it on a new team too early. Um, I think if people did more of that, they could, they would sustain a restaurant to its peak potential. I'm happy you said that because I know you're very passionate about self-development. So what lessons would you say about leadership or leadership skills that have helped you or have had a great impact throughout your journey that you would advise to young or aspiring um, entrepreneurs who are pursuing a career in the FMB industry? I'm still learning. We're all students yeah, still <laughs> in this learning. world. Of- <laughs> yeah. I, this is one thing I can I can tell anybody who's on this journey is that you'll never stop learning. So don't expect to be perfect. I hate that perfection um term itself term and also that that the complex the, the, you know that it has to be perfect because there is no perfection excellence is a great pursuit and i've always known that you know i've reached a point where i believe this is excellent and i can stop now and i can sell it i can put it out there you know whatever my product is whatever it is i think that's an important part of uh, knowing uh, as a leader that you've done your 100 percent but leadership is something you learn the hard way. You learn by making mistakes on others. <laughs> so <laughs> 10 years back, people who worked with me, I've lost a lot of good people. I've, I've made a lot of mistakes, you know, and the thing is getting up after each one and saying, I've done that, not doing that again. I'll do another one. But, you know, not doing so, that again is part of leadership as well as a servant mentality. You know, you're serving. A leader is not someone who... It's a leader because uh, you dictate terms. It's because you actually serve everyone. You eat last kind of thing. And that's, 
I, I feel that that is something that people are forgetting, like the new generations are, are being, you know, unfortunately being fed with leadership, leadership being this, a leader being this strong, never falling person who's, you know, infallible always and yeah. always, but I know that for me, the real part of leadership has been the toughest part. It's been the part where I feel I failed where I feel like I let someone down and those parts have been most important and crucial for me to pick it up and improve myself so I could offer a better solution so I could actually lead better I could actually give people um, you know that integrity of I know what I'm doing because I did it and I did it wrong first I did it right for, after a while you know so I think that you cannot miss that learning curve there's no book you can read but there are multiple books that you should read you and should. there are people that you should follow. Any that you recommend? For me, it's always been uh, Andrew Carnegie, which is The Principles of Success. Napoleon Hill is the person who actually wrote a lot from the original um, tycoon who until today is uh, considered the richest man ever lived uh, in those years in, in, the, in, in terms of money those days beyond Bezos so uh, um, and, and his <laughs> philosophy was Bezos. always about having a very principled leadership leadership that's rooted in good principles that that look out for good for everyone not just for the moment so for me that's been and okay, key book. being a female in the industry in the FMB industries what are the biggest challenges that you had to overcome because, for example, there is there's a low percentage of female chefs in the industry. So, what at you being a restaurant operator, FMB consultant, champion? What are the challenges that you had to overcome? At the risk of sounding like a non-feminist, because I am not a feminist. At the risk of taking that <laughs> other side, um, I've always felt that the the challenges of life are so big just for man and woman just as a human that i've never focused on my gender as being a challenge for some reason that's good i don't know maybe it was a positivity or it was just god saved me from thinking too much about when i'm a <laughs> woman i'm a woman i'm a woman <laughs> but i've actually looked at things as the challenges of life and challenges of business challenges just general challenges that have come my way and tackled them that i've never uh, dwelt too much on the female part of it but I'm not saying it doesn't exist yes there there is always a bias there's lots happening and I've seen it myself when I've run up restaurants where I've had to um, you know and I have taken that side I've always been an advocate for for women in my own way but in a as much as possible in a neutral and as a fair way to give everybody a fair chance because when you see raw talent in front of you you see integrity in front of you you see someone who's hungry for more. It doesn't matter to me if it's a man or woman, you know, you just do what you have to do. And I think that for me, because I've seen it in that way, I have not focused on on where the, uh, bias could have occurred. We've had female uh, chefs work with us. In fact, the, the head chef now at uh, Lincoln, with the, the company that I founded with my ex-husband and uh, we built from scratch, the, the executive head chef is a woman who was with us as a junior sous chef and has grown so that just shows that there is space it's a tough space and she's had to toughen up and she's had to do lots of things to prove herself but i think for someone with a mission someone who wants to do something we're at least in a good part of the world where i believe that if i'm talking sense if i'm making sense if i know what i'm doing if i am presenting my solutions in a professional way and i have 
uh, a table where I get an opportunity to present it, that I will be able to shine as much as like the other person, doesn't matter man or woman. And I encourage others to think the same way. You know, I think that's a very beautiful way of just viewing. So you just like, you don't think everything's personal. So it's, it's a good way to see things. Um, I just wanted to, um, looking back on your journey so far, is there anything you wish you've done differently or what are you most proud of? I don't wish I'd done anything differently, to be honest, because I think every single thing, good and bad, works together for the good of those who believe and are, are moving in the right direction. So for me, I wouldn't change anything because I would risk, that would mean risking changing the good stuff too, you know, because you need everything, as I said, to get to where you are. Yeah, we, we always want to escape the pain and the, you know, the struggles we've had and challenges, and I've had my fair share of those. And there are times when I wouldn't wish them on someone else, but they happened. And, you know, what do you do? You pick it up, you move on from there. I would advise people life is a battle. It, battle. I mean, it's, it's, it's a series of battle and victory, battle, victory, battle, victory, you know. And <laughs> as long as you get that, that there is get victory, up. there is a, a bright part, uh, you know, there is something to look forward to after everything. Um, that's the way to look at life. And uh, would I do something differently? Is that, was, was that your question? What are you most proud of? What am I proud of? I'm so proud of my team, you know, the work that we do. Um, it's not the same team that I had 15, 20 years back. People have come and gone, but there are relationships that we built and there are brands that we built and we all left a legacy behind in everything we did. So I'm really proud of the fact that good people came on and we did great things together. I'm very proud of the company uh, that it has sustained, you know, over the years and evolved. It's very difficult to evolve yourself in the industry and I think that the, the constant uh, pursuit of being excellent, of, of always offering solutions, new ones if necessary, has been what has uh, kept us going. And I'm grateful to this country and how it has evolved. And uh, it has been the perfect place to you know grow in. So I, it's a mixture of pride and gratitude, a lot of gratitude to what's come my way. That's amazing. I just want to come back to um like a use case if you would say what are the what is the most innovative use case or restaurant for example the ones that you've worked on them the hundreds that you've worked on that can how could we capitalize in this market use that restaurant as an example a prototype of something yes I cannot talk much about uh, business models of of my clients because of confidentiality but um, it's always been a combination of doing the steps so you know there's a tried and tested method that was what i mentioned earlier failures and doing making mistakes mm. perfecting those things over the years has we we developed three phases you know the in, the initial part where we conceptualize then we incubate and then we execute after opening and we added on so many services we added on the right systems, the processes. I'm also a quality auditor, by the way, qualified, and <laughs> I love systems. That's I'm good. very Germanic in that, you know. So there's creativity in, in a, in a no-holds-barred way, but there's also operations where you don't risk anything. You, you do it by steps. So for me, the, the, the clients, I can actually watch the ones that have, I know, I can feel in my bones this is going to make it because they tie in, they buy into it, you know, they come and they say, we want to do what you did with this kind of project, what were the things, and they're open, they're so open to suggestions. 
think that's been very important. And the second part is what I said earlier, the leadership of that client themselves. Mm. Because when you leave it, I'm like a surrogate, right? We build it, we give it to you, that is your baby. You've got to run it. And if you don't do your own, um, you know, uh, work, you, your own muscle, now that you have that thing given to you, you've learned so much, you've got systems in place, you've got a team. If you don't evolve and educate yourself and grow yourself, it's only going to last for a certain while. So for me, those clients that have combined these two, where they've done that part and then they've taken their part seriously and developed themselves and their business is where is your prototype. And there's so many I can mention right now, but I don't want to mention them. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just to... That's fine. And um, we hope to have you again at Golf Food. Uh, how are you hoping Golf Food 2023 can act as a catalyst for the industry? as an act of change? You know, even though we have so many exhibitors and we have so many people from the world coming in and every Gulf food, we still, every year when we do these openings and we're looking for suppliers, we still find ourselves short of enough things that the world is offering. So I think I would love to see Gulf food actually take that supplier list, that chain, and develop it into a digital a platform or a digital tool that you know at a swipe of a button you can get in touch with these guys who came to exhibit I think that's still not something that has reached every hand so if you know if I had the time I would actually build that as a business model where to get <laughs> people connected F&B connected to suppliers so I'm really hoping that this Gulf food we would we would have more innovative solutions digital as well as in terms of ingredients that people have more options than we have in the market especially in the vegan sector, the gluten-free sector, we still don't have um, that many resources as we wish that we did. And I am also really hoping for uh, amazing conversations. You know, I'm here, I'm, I love it when I go to a great seminar and I always take back so much when we have our industry conferences. I'm personally looking forward to listening to panels and being part of, you know, the conversations that will happen because they really, really help. They really help. Even if you take one thing away, you know, someone's experience or someone's suggestion, I think it's great that the industry can come together and share that. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Golf Food 2023 is going to be the biggest one yet. So everything you've mentioned about vegan, all that, everything is covered. Awesome. So awesome. it's it's going to be a great one. Um, so before we wrap up, what what is next for you? What's next for Gabrielle? Uh, so... Um, we are actually working with uh, stakeholders that we've been working with for a few years now in design uh, to build a specialized, focused design studio. We've been doing interior design for clients for years now. So we, okay. we do the production layouts, we design internally, and we give you a great design. But the fall always comes in when at the build stage, contractors in the market, there are so many, and I'm not going to blame uh, contractors, contractors because, you know, you don't know the relationship that occurs between a client and a contractor, what goes wrong. But in the F&B industry there, we have a very tight schedule to open. So, you know, we, our rents start within three months of taking a unit, three to four months. Uh, I'm talking about the smaller units. I'm not talking about licensed units. They have a, they, they need more time, but Clients land up going outside budget, first in the build stage without value engineering, as well as in the opening stage where timelines are not honored or approvals have not come in because of lack of experience or where they haven't actually signed up for those things. So 
We've been thinking about this and we actually experimented last year. We started bringing on stakeholders that we could trust and work on a relationship with. And we've actually opened up doors for a few restaurants within those timeframes, shockingly great timeframes. And that gave me the encouragement that, you know, we could take this um, this experiment to a partnership level, to a joint venture level. So we will be announcing a design studio, the first of its kind in the region that will give you a full holistic solution of not just your design, but also value engineering that design to be operationally viable, to open up within those budgets, within the timelines. It's going to be challenging, <laughs> but it is something that I, I believe is very lacking in the industry. So we are looking at that. And I'm personally looking at building a, a business model that, that can be franchised uh, and I'm targeting women for some reason. I feel like a calling to target women um, owners because it would have a full structure built in where they can invest a certain amount and then have so much more uh, information, data, knowledge at their hands, as well as run a product that's been tried and tested. So that's something I'm working on for a while. Yeah. Maybe it's 2023, maybe 24. I don't know. I'm not in a rush, but I like doing things, you know, pacing them out pacing and doing them, them right. Yeah. That's amazing. So thank you so much for joining us today, Gabrielle, and being part of the Let's Chew podcast. It's been a pleasure. If you have any last words to leave with our listeners or how they can follow your journey, please uh, feel free. Well, it's a great industry. So uh, if you've been holding that dream for a while, get in touch with um, either a colleague that is in it, start asking questions, reach out to consultants. Uh, you can find us on uh, restaurantsecrets.com is our website. We also have a very active Instagram uh, page, Facebook, the usual. Um, you know, get on our website, fill up a form if you like, get in touch for a free consultation that we offer just to vet it out for you to see, you know, where you stand, what you need. But overall, generally, it's a great industry. You're in a place uh, part of the world that encourages and each year, each month, better solutions are coming in. The government's coming up with better ideas to support entrepreneurial spirit. So it's a great industry, but be ready to, at the same time, be a learner for for a <laughs> while. Yeah. So I would say, uh, come on on board. We, we, we don't need more restaurants. We have so much, but we always need a great concept. We always need something amazing. <laughs> bring in the concepts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Let's Chew podcast as much as I have. And if you did, please share and leave us a review. Don't forget to join us at Golf Food 2023 to engage with the entire FMB community this February from the 20th to the 24th. You can get your tickets today on our website, www.golffood.com. See you soon and bye for now.